The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the audio version of the two-page article I hastily wrote and published on rabbishneweiss.substack.com on December 15th, 2023. And the article is entitled, Mikates, Self-Deprivation in Solidarity with Others Who Are Suffering. Note, this week's article deals with topics that have halachic ramifications. I am not a posik. No halacha lama'ase, practical halachic conclusions, should be drawn from this article. Consult your own posik before making any halachic decisions. This week's Parsha opens with Yosef's interpretation of Paro's dreams. Yosef informs Paro that seven years of famine will follow the seven years of plenty. He advises Paro about how to avert national catastrophe. Yosef is rewarded for his efforts. Quote, Paro called Yosef by the name Tzafnas Paneah and gave him Osanat, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, as a wife. The Torah informs us that, quote, in Breshis 41.50, two sons were born to Yosef before the year of famine came. From here... Chazal, in Ta'anis 11a, also cited by Rashi, derived the halacha, quote, it is prohibited for a person to have marital relations in years of famine, end quote. The Bali Tosfos, on Ta'anis 11a, Dibra Maskil Asr, raise the following difficulty. What about Yosef, sorry, what about Yocheved, the daughter of Levi, who was born between the borders of Egypt? She must have been conceived at a time of famine, since the famine is what prompted the children of Yaakov to descend to Egypt. Doesn't this mean that Levi engaged in marital relations during the famine? The Bali Tosfos answer, quote, According to everyone, having marital relations during a time of famine was only prohibited to someone who wanted to conduct himself with chasidus, extra righteousness. And that is why Yosef didn't have marital relations. But other people, such as Levi, did. End quote. The Tortimima on Breshis 4150, note 8, objects to this explanation, then offers his own answer. Quote, it is exceedingly difficult to say about Levi ben Yaakov that he conducted himself like one of the masses. Rather, in light of the words of the Balitosbos, it seems that in truth, for a person who is burdened with the suffering of famine, it would be unreasonable to increase his suffering by forcing him to abstain from marital relations, for such, for such abstinence is called inui, affliction. Rather, only a person for whom the famine poses no suffering and anxiety, such as those who are wealthy and those who have access to storehouses of grain, like Yosef, for them it is proper to join in with the suffering of the community in place of the suffering of the famine, which they do not experience. According to this, the difficulty from Levi is resolved. Since Yaakov and his household were burdened with suffering on account of the famine itself, they were not obligated at all to refrain from marital relations. End quote. Footnote. Note that the Torah Tamima is not necessarily speaking about halacha lamasa, practical halacha. After citing the Beis Yosef, the Taz, and the Magin Avraham on Shulchan Aruch or Chaim 574, mentioning that they struggled with our Gemara, uh, he concludes by saying, according to what I wrote, everything works out and is uh, works out well and is clear. However, this is a davar chadash, an innovation which requires much analysis and study, end quote. I take this to mean that he is hesitant about drawing practical conclusions from his idea. Go ahead, all right, back to the text. According to the Torah Tamima, abstention from marital relations during a famine is not lahavdiel like the Catholic customs of self-deprivation during Lent. It's not about giving up a pleasure. Rather, it's about joining in with the suffering of the community. For this reason, if a person is already suffering on account of the famine itself, 
there is no need for him to increase his pain by abstaining from relations. Only those who are shielded from the suffering should abstain from relations so that they can identify with the plight of their community. As evidence for his theory, the Torah Tamima cites the next Gemara on the page, which states, quote, it was taught in a Brisa, when the Jews are steeped in suffering and one of them separates himself from the community and doesn't share in their suffering, the two ministering angels who accompany a person come and place their hands on his head and say, this person who separated from the community will not see the consolation of the community, or alternatively, let him not see the consolation of the community, end quote. On a simple level, Chazal are describing a, so- a psychosocial phenomenon. If other Jews who are suffering, sorry, if other Jews are suffering and you go out of your way to break a- identification with them to avoid feeling the pain of their plight, then you will also be cutting yourself off from the joy, relief, and consolation of their deliverance. Psychological identification is a double-edged sword. The Jewish people experience highs and lows, and to the extent that you dissolve your bond with other Jews in order to evade the lows, you'll also be cutting yourself off from experiencing the highs. If you continue on this course, it may eventually cause you or your offspring to lose your Jewish identities entirely. But I believe there is a more important explanation of this brisa, which emerges from the Rambam. The Torah, Tamima, and the Balitosos both operate under the assumption that abstaining from marital relations during a famine is midas chasidus, extra righteous conduct. This view is not shared by the Rambam. He codifies this as a uniform prohibition in the laws of fasts 3.8 as part of the procedure of fasting for a drought. Quote, if these initial fasts pass without our prayers being answered, we minimize our commercial activities, uh, construction projects associated with joy, such as those involving decorative patterns on the ceilings and walls, uh, plantings associated with joy, such as myrtle trees and types of tents. We also minimize betrothals on marriages unless one has not yet fulfilled the mitzvah of being fruitful and multiplying. And whoever has fulfilled the mitzvah of being fruitful and multiplying is prohibited to engage in marital relations during a time of famine. We reduce the exchange of greetings and Torah sages. And Torah sages should not exchange greetings at all, but rather they should conduct themselves as those who have been rejected and ostracized by God. When a common person greets them, they may return the greeting in a weak and solemn tone. End quote from the Rambam. All the practices and restrictions in the Rambam's laws of fast are there for the sole purpose of promoting communal teshuva, as he writes at the beginning of this section. The same is true of these mandated forms of self-deprivation. They are a means of facilitating teshuva. Accordingly, we can explain the Brisa cited above literally. If you separate yourself from the community when they are doing teshuva to save themselves from catastrophe, you will not be saved with them. The Rambam codifies this in the laws of Teshuva 4.2, quote, there are five things that close the doors of Teshuva before those who do them. One, uh, number one is one who separates himself from the community. Since he will not be with them at a time when they do Teshuva, and he will not, he will not merit with them in the merits that they produce, end quote. For the past 70 days of the Israel-Hamas war, many of us have struggled with the question of whether it is appropriate to engage in pleasurable activities while our brothers and sisters in Israel are suffering. Should we cancel that vacation we had been planning for months? Should we attend our friend's birthday party? Should we go out to the movies? And are these decisions actually rooted in our practice of Judaism, or do we just feel guilty? There is no easy one-size-fits-all answer to such questions. Even a posik would need to factor in many details about the personal circumstances before issue a ruling. Nevertheless, I believe that the foregoing discussion sheds light on how to think about such decisions. Specifically, we should ask ourselves three questions. One, if I choose to abstain from this enjoyment, am I merely depriving myself of a pleasure, or am I doing this to strengthen my identification with the suffering of my fellow Jews? Two, if I choose to partake of this enjoyment, am I giving in to an underlying desire to isolate myself from the suffering of my fellow Jews, 
Or am I still joining in with their suffering in other ways, directly or indirectly? Three, either way, will my decision facilitate my doing teshuva? And if not, how can I ensure that it does? Our decisions may be impelled or fueled by guilt, and but guilty feelings should not be the basis on which we make such decisions. Our decisions should be guided by the values of Torah within the framework of halacha, always. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.